0: Welcome to the Healthy Pickleballer Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lee. In today's episode, I'm joined by Lauren Cicinelli, a sports dietitian based in Atlanta. Lauren specializes in helping athletes of all levels to fuel their body for optimal health and performance. Uh, Thanks for coming on, Lauren. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for having me on today, Brian. Um, so as you mentioned, um, my name is Lauren Cicinelli. I am a sports dietitian. I'm based in Atlanta, um, but I do a lot of virtual work as well. Um, so, and kind of a little bit about me and my background, you know, my, my goal was always to work with athletes in the nutrition area. Um, so I went to the university of Toledo for exercise science and that's where I got my bachelor's degree. And then I went on to get my master's from Syracuse in, um, in nutrition, um, so really, again, just with the goal to combine those two worlds into the sports nutrition piece of things and be able to help athletes optimize their performance, optimize their health and and really feel their best day to day. A lot of this really stemmed from my my own, you know, athletic endeavors. So in high school, I was a tennis player and then I picked up running later on in life and just being able to see the difference that nutrition really could make in how I felt on the court and how I was performing, um, and just seeing how everything played together from the performance side of things with fueling our bodies well.
0: Yeah. Well, Lori, can you tell us um, just a little bit more about maybe more of that uh, kind of education and background of becoming um, a registered dietitian? You mentioned that you know you kind of studied exercise science in your undergrad. You know, what what's the, was the course kind of after that to get to where yeah. you're at now?
1: Yeah. So when I went through school, it was a bachelor's degree minimum in order to become a registered dietitian. It is transitioning in 2024. So just coming up in a few short months here to be a requirement that we have to have a master's degree. So, and I will say, most registered dietitians do have a master's degree at this point, but it requires a certain number of of hours in the classroom, right? So we have our core curriculum that we're going through, and that includes anatomy and physiology, a lot of chemistry and organic (laughs) chemistry and biochemistry, really to understand how the body is working and how we're digesting and breaking down those nutrients. So we go through all of that education piece of things. After we graduate, we are able to then go on to a dietetic internship. So that's really the hands-on work and education. So mm-hmm. that's at least 1200 hours of supervised practice. So we are working in a hospital clinical setting. We are working in food service. So a lot of people don't realize that dietitians have a lot of experience in education, working in the food service side of things. And then it's also community nutrition education. So oftentimes this will be doing educational seminars and working with, with individuals out in the community, making sure that our food system is is providing adequate nutrition um, outside of just the hospital setting and then once you complete that internship then you are eligible to sit for the national exam in order to become a registered dietitian so it is a three-step process where you have to have the education then you go through the supervised practice before you sit on sit down for that exam and then at that point if you do pass the exam you're a registered dietitian, you can get a job in a hospital setting. Uh, Certain gyms and other facilities will hire registered dietitians. Again, in the community setting, that might be a food bank. Uh, So really going through that process. If beyond that, you want to become a specialist in a certain area, there are also board certifications to get that. So that's something that I did after uh, becoming a registered dietitian, I was, you know, you you work for a certain number of years, gather a certain number of hours in a certain specialty area, and you're able to take that, that next exam. So that's where I became a sports dietitian. So I am a board certified specialist in sports dietetics, which is a mouthful to say. <laughs> um, and that's an exam that we have to take every five years to make sure that we're staying current on that, that specialty as well.
0: Yeah. Well, when you listen to the amount of education and training that goes into becoming a registered dietitian, I mean, you really have like a a nice holistic uh, viewpoint of the body. You can kind of look at things from uh, the medical standpoint. Um, But then, you know, as you mentioned, you can have that advanced certification for working specifically with sports. But I think that really just highlights that the dietitians really are the experts when it comes to kind of providing nutritional information for people.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that's that's one of the big things that sets dietitians apart compared to somebody who is a nutritionist, right? So a nutritionist is not a regulated term. So really you know, we can take courses and, and shorter courses to become a nutritionist, but it doesn't have that that national certification, that na- national registration and oversight, uh, which just means that there's varying knowledge levels among among other individuals as well. So registered dietitians are able to work in a hospital setting and provide what we call medical nutrition therapy. So if somebody has high blood pressure or high cholesterol or diabetes, you know, a dietitian is the one to be able to help them treat that condition from a food standpoint.
0: Yeah, yeah. so true. And so, so important.
1: Mm-hmm. And athletes are not always, you know, sometimes we are going to have those conditions, right? Just because we're an athlete doesn't mean we only focus on the performance side of things. We have to look at the health aspect of it as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, athletes are going to have some of these underlying medical conditions, whether it's diabetes or, or some other type of thing that really needs to be considered when we are looking at the nutritional side of things.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Well, Laura, you mentioned that you were a tennis player growing up. Have you ventured yes. onto a pickleball court yet?
1: <laughs> so I have, and oddly enough, so the first time I was actually introduced to pickleball was probably in 2006 or 2007. Um, so in high school phys ed, we actually played pickleball. So I remember learning how to play pickleball. And for me, it just came very naturally because I was a tennis player. So it was an easy kind of translation with a paddle versus a racket and, and just being able to, you know, just understand how the ball moves a little bit differently. But, um, so yeah, I've, I've actually, um, been introduced to it quite a few years ago at this point.
0: Yeah. You're ahead of the game at that point.
1: <laughs> right,
0: You're the leader of the movement.
1: <laughs> I like to think so. Right.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Well, Lauren, what what would be some, maybe just, um, you know, key nutritional considerations, uh, for pickleball players when we are kind of like, you know, talking about just optimizing their health and their performance, you know, this might be something that's just going to be applicable for athletes across the board.
1: Right. So I think one of the biggest things and one of the simplest, not necessarily easy, but one of the the things that we often overlook is hydration, right? So Mm -hmm. hydration plays such a huge role in performance in our energy levels, so we don't always think of it that way. But when we are dehydrated, our energy and our focus, our attention span, our decision making is going to go down. So making sure that we're hydrated is one of the foundational things that we have to focus on. And especially then, when we add in, you know, we're playing in the heat and the humidity, especially with the summer that we've had, right? That it has been so hot um, across so much of the the U.S. that we we really have had to deal with hydration challenges. So making sure we're hydrated really day in and day out, not just when we're out on the court, but making sure that we're staying hydrated is a huge part of, of performance and making sure that we are playing at our best. Um, one of the other big challenges that I see for athletes is not fueling enough or not fueling enough before we get out there. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's say we're going to go play in the morning. Maybe we skip breakfast, maybe we eat something really small. Right. But it's just not enough to go play for a couple hours and then come back. So, a couple things might happen there. One, we are underfueling, we're not getting that those nutrients that we need when we get out on the court. But sometimes we also tend to make up for that later on in the day. Right. We get mm. really hungry in the evening time. So, we tend to have this really big meal or snack a lot later on in the day, but we're underfueling early on in the day too. So, it just ends up being this unbalanced kind of nutritional intake compared to what our body is really needing.
0: Yeah. Well, as it relates to the hydration, I think you brought up just a a great point too, just like right now it's summertime. So um, people are going to be losing a lot more fluids as they're sweating outside. Um, You know, what are like, are there like general guidelines that people should maybe try to aim for? Um, And then also like, say somebody has like a a tournament kind of coming up on the weekend, you know, uh, how far in advance maybe should people kind of be thinking about hydration? Or is it really just something that they need to be thinking about all the time in order to, to be ready?
1: Right. So I would say in a perfect world, we are on top of our hydration all the time. Um, however, we don't live in a perfect world, even myself, right? I struggle with hydration from, from time to time. So if nothing else, at least two to three days leading up to that tournament, we are really focused on hydration, making sure that we're drinking enough fluids all day long, enough is going to vary from person to person. And that's why sometimes nutrition is a little bit tricky because what works for me and what I need is going to be different for you, Brian, versus, versus another player, right? So mm-hmm. when we think of hydration, I like to think about just baseline needs outside of what we're, when we're playing, you know, half of our body weight up to about 80 to hundred ounces, right? So we don't need to go all the way up to our body weight or half of our body weight if, um, you know, if we are in a larger body, and that's okay. But up to about 80 to 100 ounces is probably going to be good for baseline means. And then we add on more based on our sweating. And you know, if we're out there playing periodically, um, leading up to that tournament, for example, you know, we have to make sure that we're replacing what we're losing in sweat. Or if we work outside, if we're doing other things that are are causing us to lose some extra, extra fluids, right? We want to make sure that we're replacing that as well. So that might be, you know, kind of depends on the individual. It can be anywhere from, I would say like 12 to 24, 32 ounces an hour that we're Mm -hmm. losing in sweat. I have athletes that lose a lot more than that too, right? So we just have to make sure that we're kind of individualizing that, but making sure that we're sipping on fluids during our play, um, making sure that we're rehydrating afterwards as well, so that we can really stay on top of that day to day.
0: Yeah, well, in, when we are talking about like sweating and losing that, like your your, your body's losing some of like the electrolytes, how uh-huh. does that kind of play a role in into it? Like, should people be consuming electrolytes leading up to a weekend where, um, you know, where they're gonna in, anticipate, you know, being outside for a long period of time?
1: Right, so having some of those electrolytes ahead of time can be helpful. I will say some of our electrolytes, we can get some from food, right? So mm-hmm. our main electrolyte that we're losing is sodium. So if we're eating really any type of processed food, and that could be bread, uh, or it could be something that tastes really salty, like chips or pickles, right? We're, a lot of times we can get some of those electrolytes from our food. So sodium is our biggest one. We also have things like potassium, magnesium, calcium that we're losing little bits of in sweat. So yes, definitely making sure that we are staying on top of those electrolytes in the days leading up. If somebody, which happens very often, I would say if, you know, people that are either very health conscious or making sure that they're not over consuming sodium, we actually adding in a little bit of those electrolytes, um, whether that comes from a drink, um, you know, that can be helpful in those days leading up really so that our body is holding on to that fluid. And we're not just, you know, urinating all of it out, but we are holding on and absorbing all of that fluid and and maintaining that hydration can, can be helpful.
0: Yeah. You know, cause you see like a lot of these like hydration mixes that are out. And uh, sometimes I, I wonder like, you know, if you're consuming that like regularly or daily, would that be overkill?
1: Yeah. So some of them can be, you know, we have some electrolyte mixes out that are very popular right now that have a thousand milligrams of sodium in them, you know, and it's just something that we have to be really cautious of because for some individuals that might be too much when we add on that they're drinking one of those every day, plus they're having a lot of salty foods, it might be too much sodium, right? For somebody who has very limited sodium intake, maybe that's okay. Um, But we also have other options that are out there that have, you know, 200 or 300 milligrams of sodium, Mm -hmm. which are a little bit more reasonable, I would say for most individuals, those really high salt, high sodium electrolyte mixes probably going to be overkill for most of us on a daily basis, but doing a lower, you know, a lower content one probably is going to be a little bit more reasonable.
0: Yeah. We'll just bring, I guess, just be, be aware of what you are putting into your body and, and read those labels To Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: So. Well, uh, Let's go back to, I uh, kind of talked about like you know, people that might skip breakfast and, and this, this topic always makes me think of like race days. And I know that you're a runner as well. Um, but, when we're talking about like the timing of breakfast in anticipation of activity, you know, on race days, we're trying to get that uh, uh, meal into our system so that we have energy, but yet we don't want to feel weighted down. Right? Are there any like timing considerations uh, when it comes to when somebody should consume that meal and maybe what they should be uh, putting into their body to help fuel their body throughout the day?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So the the three biggest things that I think about when we think about What we're eating before going out there for a match, right? So how long we have, what we're eating, and what our body is used to eating at that time of day, as well as what we're used to eating before before playing. So as far as timing goes, giving ourselves at least one to two hours is typically really helpful, so that our body can really digest, break that food down. If we have less time than that, you know, we can kind of make do with it, but ideally we have that one to two hours at least, so that that food isn't still sitting in our stomach because when it's still sitting in our stomach, one, we just don't feel that great, right? We're still working on digesting. We can feel that kind of moving around. We just don't feel that great. And then also that food and that fuel, that energy hasn't made it into our, into our system yet, right? Mm-hmm. So we could have a really great quality meal, but it, we're just not able to access that energy because it hasn't been absorbed yet. So timing one to two hours ahead, and then what is included? So our main source of energy and fuel during any activity is typically carbohydrates. So we wanna make sure that we have some good quality carbohydrates that are gonna stick with us for a little while. We don't want something that's really like hard to break down and digest. So it's kind of like this middle ground of, doesn't need to be this most nutritious, really high fiber, cause that fiber takes a lot longer to break down, but something like bread or bagels, English muffin, Those are really great options because they're quick and easy in the mornings. They tend to break down pretty easily as well. So they're not going to sit in our stomach for a long time. So carbohydrates, definitely the foundations, a little bit of protein, really trying to limit the fat because the protein slows down digestion a little fat really is going to sit in our stomach for a lot longer. It takes a lot more work for our body to break that down. So like my go-to before a morning workout is typically two slices of toast with peanut butter on it. It's Mm. easy. It's simple. Um, relatively low in fat with a little bit of protein in there, but it's pretty quick to digest um you know, you could do something like a bagel you I have people that will do like toast with jelly on it just for that that quick carbohydrates just to make sure we can digest it and break it down, so we really are accessing that fuel,
0: yeah, I was gonna ask what might be like a good uh protein recommendation there because I think sometimes when we think protein oftentimes we go straight to like like a type of meat, and yes. that could be something that could could weigh you down.
1: Right, right. So usually, especially for for morning times, I like to think about, you know, maybe it's one or two eggs, maybe it's a little bit of peanut butter, again, with that higher fat in there, we don't want to go overboard with like a, a nut butter. Um, really trying to limit things like bacon sausage for our breakfast meats. Other times of day, again, we are trying to limit some of those higher fat meats as well, from a performance aspect of things. So um, really trying to stick with kind of those, those lean meats, maybe a slice of cheese, you know, for again, a mm-hmm. little bit of protein without overboard or low fat yogurt or low fat Greek yogurt would be a great option too.
0: Yeah. Something that kind of gives you a little bit of that, that feeling of being full, um, exactly. but yet yeah, not too much to weigh you down. So that perfect medium or yes. middle middle range area. Uh,
1: yes, you're absolutely right. Because we don't want to feel hungry again in 15 to 20 minutes, which sometimes happens if we only have carbohydrates. We really want it to stick with us. And that protein helps it helps our bodies do that.
0: Yeah. Well, let's fast forward kind of throughout that, that same day. And, you know, sometimes these, uh, tournament days or or even just pickup play, people are are playing for extended periods of time and and the turnaround time between one game to the next can be pretty quick. You know, what, what might be some considerations for, uh, continuing to fuel your body, uh, throughout the duration of a day.
1: Yeah. Yep. So again, that timing is one of the keys to that, right? So if it's a really quick turnaround, you know, if we have less than an hour between matches, really just focusing on fluids and carbohydrates, because again, that's going to rehydrate us, make sure that we are well hydrated going into that next match. And then the carbohydrates are going to help us to make sure that we have that fuel, that energy, because that is our primary source of energy. We've got to make sure that's coming in. So The simplest thing to do is to choose a sports drink that has sugar in it. I know sometimes people are a little hesitant of of these because of that sugar. However, you know, they are designed to give us that fuel, give us that quick energy that we need when we are really active. So tournament setting is a perfect example of when we can really use that to our advantage. So sports drink um, with with the regular old sugar kind is a perfect way to, to go for that. Um, and sipping on that in between, if you would prefer something else, you know, you can do either water or an electrolyte drink that doesn't have the sugar and then having maybe a piece of fruit or an applesauce pouch. I know sometimes people are hesitant of the applesauce <laughs> pouches, but that's a really, it's almost like, like being able to drink something, right?
0: Yeah. yeah it's, it's almost like, um, uh, the consistency. I think that's why people like the gels on like marathon is yeah. just not to yeah. chew anything. It just goes down pretty pretty exactly. smooth and easy. Yeah. But, I think that you just, I mean, brought up like the the carbs and and sugar, and I think that those might be some common, like maybe misconceptions that people Mm -hmm. might have. It's like, oh, I don't need sugar, I I don't need carbs. But when it comes to performance, that's a a readily available form of energy. Yeah,
1: Um, yeah, yeah. and there are so many people, and I, I completely understand it. You know, with being a little hesitant about the carbohydrates and how much we're eating, and trying to limit some of those other things, but. In the right situation, sometimes simple, easy to digest carbohydrates can actually be really helpful. So, for a lot of the athletes that I work with, sometimes it is actually freeing ourselves up to eat a little bit of those because it helps to make sure that we can get enough fuel during our activity as well as right beforehand. Again, if we're looking for something really simple and easy to digest, most of the time, right, when we're not playing, we don't want those things that are really quick to digest because we're gonna give us that energy rush and then we, we may have that, that hunger o- shortly afterwards or kind of that crash later on. But when we're thinking about performance, we want that quick energy. We want to have that readily available, again, using it strategically. So if we have a quick turnaround, if we have less than an hour, we want something really quick and easy to digest. We have a little bit longer. Maybe we are choosing something that's a little bit harder for our body to break down. Maybe it's a granola bar, right? Still something somewhat simple, but getting us a little bit more, you know, sustained energy from that too.
0: Yeah, uh, like I, I know, like sometimes they, even like protein bars are, are a common thing that people bring out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something that that you would recommend having available? Um, because it, it maybe sounds like it might actually. Require a little bit more time to break down, but
1: yeah. So, protein bars are going to require a little bit more time to break down. So, again, if we have one or two hours between matches, you know, a protein bar can be a great option because it's typically they're going to have some carbohydrates in there as well as some protein. You know, most of them have around 20 grams of protein, usually the same, like about 20 grams of carbohydrates as well. So, they have a little bit of protein, they have a little bit of carbs. So, if we have some time in between there, you know, it can be a great option for that sustained energy. Um, if we're still hungry after that, maybe we add in a little bit higher carbohydrates. So maybe that's a protein bar with a piece of fruit, like a banana or an apple, you know, and then we're getting a little bit more carbohydrates, still a quality source there too.
0: Okay, great. I'm, I'm taking some great notes here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lord, what about, um, i actually, this is a, a a question from a listener. This is uh, mm-hmm. from from Renee, and I believe Renee is in California. Um, what are some easy foods to digest? You know, after playing, you know, for an extended period of time. I think I've experienced this too. Like I've gone through like a really intense workout, mm-hmm. and my body just isn't isn't in the mood to maybe consume something. But right. are, are there some easy foods to consume that can help you kind of replenish and, and help with that recovery process?
1: Yes, definitely. And this is a really common thing, especially after. An intense workout, or if we're in a really extreme environment, like it's hot, really hot and humid outside, right? So the the three things that we really want to focus on for recovery are fluids. So we're, we're working on rehydrating. We're working on getting some carbohydrates in to replenish those energy stores, and then protein to support those muscles as well. So fluids, protein, carbohydrates; those are our primary things that we're thinking of, and how important that recovery meal or snack or that time frame is is kind of gonna depend on when are we going to be active again. So mm. we have more than 24 hours, we have a little bit more leeway, right? We don't need to start reco- that recovery process immediately, but if we have less than 24 hours before our next match or before our next workout of any type, you know, we want to make sure within that first hour or so we're getting a good recovery meal, so or snack even. So chocolate milk has been something that's been encouraged for a long time because it gets our fluids in, it gets carbohydrates, it gets us some protein. So it's an easy way. Sometimes fluids are a lot easier to get in when we don't feel like eating, right? So when our appetite is a little bit lower after an intense an intense game or, um, you know, workout, getting some type of fluids. So that could be the chocolate milk, it could be a smoothie. So that could be, you know, a yogurt and fruit smoothie, It could be, again, just something simple to, to snack on, whether that's like pretzels and a cheese stick or, you know, some other way to get in those carbs and the protein. And then again, pairing it with the fluids to rehydrate. If all we have, if all we can stomach is a snack, trying to get another meal within the the next couple hours is, is definitely ideal.
0: Okay. Great. And, And this might be, you know, related, but also uh, maybe more on the, the performance side of things too. But like we were talking about like protein, like synthesis and, uh, and muscle repair, you know, uh, for, for a while, we were kind of encouraging people to consume protein shortly after, um, a workout, because we thought that there was a, like a window. Uh, that that's going to optimize that recovery time. Are we still seeing that like window, like, you know, 30, like you should be consuming something within 30 minutes or should be consuming something within three hours, or do we have a little bit more wiggle room in that timeframe?
1: I would say for most of us that are recreational athletes, we have a little bit more wiggle room, right? We're not trying to, you know, I mean, for my, speak for myself, I know, but I'm not trying to get out there and like win any races or, you know, like be at the top, you know, tier. I'm not, not by no means am I a professional, right? But, um, you know, still making sure that we're, we're recovering well. So again, carbohydrates and protein, we know that for carbohydrates, if, if, again, if we don't have anything in the next 24 hours or so, we have a little bit more wiggle room to replenish Mm -hmm. those carbohydrate stores in our muscles for protein kind of debatable here, you know, for if we're just getting out of a match, if we've just played for a couple hours, um, I would say yes, protein can be helpful, but it's not going to be the, the main thing that we're working on that recovery, I would say the hydration and the carbohydrates are going to be the bigger factors from a recovery standpoint in that. Um, if we're getting out of a strength training session, for example, maybe we are focusing more on that protein because we're doing a little bit more damage, a little bit more breakdown of those muscles. So trying to get some, you know, 20 to 30 grams of protein within that first hour might be more helpful for, for a higher intensity workout or a strength training type of workout.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great point. That's really where that amount of specificity to what you're putting into your body Kind of matches up with what activity you're doing because, you know, every certain sports and certain activities have different energy systems that they may yeah. tap into a little bit more than than others, and that's going to dictate what nutrients your body needs.
1: Exactly. Yep. Spot on. Um,
0: well, and and then from the kind of talked more about, I guess, muscle function and and um, that, but well, look, as far as maybe some brain boosting foods, pickleball is very much a fast, quick reaction requires a lot of hand-eye coordination and focus. Are are there any type of foods out there that can help, uh, with cognitive function?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely are. And I, you know, don't want to sound like I'm just repeating myself, but hydration and carbohydrates are the foundation of this, right? So hydration, I, I think I mentioned this as far as, you know, when we are dehydrated, our reaction time slows down. Our decision making slows down and becomes impaired. So, making sure that we are well hydrated day to day, and then as well as going into, into any practice or matches, we've got to make sure that we're on top of that. And then for carbohydrates, that is our main source of energy, not just for our muscles, but also for our brain. So, if we don't have enough carbohydrates and if we're not keeping that, those carbohydrates fairly steady throughout that match, you know, we're not going to be able to react as quickly we're, because those are our, any type of quick movement is really going to be fueled by those carbohydrates so making sure that we are hydrated and have those carbohydrates those are the foundations Um, beyond that there are some things that definitely we can kind of focus on more specifically as well so i would say our antioxidant rich foods so things like berries and dark leafy greens and any other type of like bright color fruits and vegetables bell peppers carrots right those are going to be really potent sources of those those antioxidants which can be really helpful from a brain standpoint, as well as an overall body and like muscle recovery standpoint, right? Those are going to be really helpful. And then the other thing that I think of is our omega-3 fatty acids, right? So ideally we're trying to get those omega-3s from, from fish. So things like salmon, tuna, sardines, mackerel, those are going to be our great options for omega-3s. Some of our nuts and seeds, so walnuts, flax seeds, chia seeds, and hemp seeds also have some of that they're in a little bit different form, not quite as beneficial from a, like an inflammation standpoint, but still really great quality. Um, mm-hmm. and if we don't eat some of those foods, you know, adding in, in a high quality fish oil supplement can definitely be helpful as well.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I think I've heard, um, kind of with the antioxidants, you know, the dark chocolate, but obviously yes. it, keeping it yes. in. In, in moderation in right? small
1: portions <laughs> yep um and I am a big fan of dark chocolate usually that that comes after dinner most nights
0: great well I think that those are yeah all great information and, and some really great tips uh, that you provided today um so Lauren if uh, people were interested in kind of getting more information from you and in seeking out some more of the resources that you have available uh where can people find you
1: yeah. So I'd say the best option is to find me on Instagram. Um, so that's Lauren Cicinelli RD. And then I also do have a website that's AscendNutritionCoaching.com. Um, but those are probably Instagram. I do share some helpful, helpful tips and different things for athletes throughout that as well.
0: Yeah. Well be sure to, to go follow, follow Lauren on the social media platforms. That's where I found you. And that's, I, I, I go to your page often to just you know take notes and just consume all the information that you put out. It's really yeah. helpful. I think
1: it's it's important to have you know make sure that we have access to quality information. I think.
0: Yeah, it's so important because I think in today's world and in today's you know how we operate, there's so much information that's out there. But really, it's like okay, it's now about seeking out what information and resources are 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 good and uh, reliable.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, Lauren, I'm looking forward to, um, yeah, continuing continuing our discussions moving forward. And um, yeah, thank you again for for taking the time to come on.
1: Thanks for having me, Brian.
0: All right, and thanks, listeners, for tuning into this episode. And be sure to join us next time. Until then, stay healthy, pickleballers.